here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, let me just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. Through 25 seasons, hey! 4,561 episodes. I believe the Oprah Winfrey Show was one of the greatest classrooms in the world. I really never thought of it that way. The aha moments the breakthroughs, the LOLs, the connections, the occasional ugly cry. I miss him so terribly, I miss him every single minute. The moments that mattered, the eye-opening life lessons. Never allow them to take you somewhere else. I'm bringing them back. It's time to open the vault. I've personally chosen these classic episodes to share with you again. Every single person you ever will meet shares that common desire. They want to know, do you see me? Do you hear me? Does what I say mean anything to you? You are listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. My guest today is a warrior for children. He is not afraid to speak his mind and tell the truth to anyone, including me. He has confronted me on some of my own child abuse issues that I didn't even know I had. We're going to be talking about that in this show. It's not going to be easy for me. He is an attorney that has dedicated his life to representing only children who have been abused because he believes that today's victims are tomorrow's perpetrators and that we all, all of us, make our own monsters. He says we build our own beasts and every child we snatch out of hell is one less at risk for that later behavior as an adult. We asked Andrew to give us his perspective on what he sees every day when he walks the streets of New York. It's a city where you can buy jewelry for a million dollars or buy crack for five dollars. It's a city where you can have thousand dollar a night hookers or five dollar an hour little kids. New York used to boast that you could buy anything you want in New York, you could find anything you want in New York. And they were talking about the entertainment industry. There are other industries that work here, too, and they're never very far from human access. All you have to do is look. There's the meat market, which literally is called the meat market in the daytime and the meat market at nighttime for very, very different reasons. There's Times Square. There's the whole west side. There's the midtown massage parlors. You can go all the way up. So from the penthouses to the basements, everybody works. You could walk through Port Authority, and the only thing you're concentrating on is catching your bus. I can see runaways sitting there waiting to be plucked by chicken hawks. It's almost as if they come here for that purpose. Pimps literally count on a steady supply. What I feel when I'm walking down these streets is a combination of anxiety and anger. And those two never get very far away from me. Welcome, Andrew Vox. <laughs> and the anger is for what? The anger is for my personal feelings uh -huh. and secondhand for those who have victimized. Uh -huh. You started fighting for children because? Before I knew what I was doing, really. Uh -huh. uh, my first job, my first real, real job was as an investigator for the U.S. Public Health Service in sexually transmitted diseases. And I did on that job what you do on your show, which is interview people. Uh -huh. And the idea was to get them to disclose their sexual contacts. 
and then find those contacts. Mm -hmm. The idea was that syphilis is a chain. Mm -hmm. You could work fast enough, you could snap it in various places and eventually eradicate. Well, clearly we didn't succeed in doing that. I was working whorehouses, I was working gambling dens, juke joints, like that. And I thought I was really working rough, you know, about as hard as it got. One of the chains ended in a little baby, a baby like this big, who's, uh, I'm always restricted about what I can say on mm -hmm. National Show, but who is physically damaged as a result of a rape and a sodomy and was literally dripping gonorrhea. And I thought up to then, you know, that I'd been really a tough kid, you know, that mm -hmm. I really knew how things were. Never imagined people had sex with babies, not babies, babies. But that isn't what did it for me. What did it to me was talking to the people involved, the mm -hmm. human being involved. It's, I can't call him a man, person. His position was that he'd hurt himself because the way they discovered this was he didn't use Vaseline when he raped the kid. He tore himself. He went to the emergency room. Mm. A doctor, God bless him, said, wait a minute, you must have gotten this somehow. And they discovered the baby. And his only feeling was his own pain. Mm. As far as the rest of it, he talked about the kid as though the kid was some lower form of property. And since then, you've seen things undescribable. Yeah, I mean, since that day, I've seen things that make that look fairly light. When that day, I thought I was looking at the devil himself. I thought it was the worst thing a human being could do, especially to your own. Uh -huh. And since then, I've been educated otherwise. And, and, and maintained the anger for the uh, children? You don't have to maintain it. Mm -hmm. These people feed you every single day. Mm -hmm. I could start from zero again, and another week's work, I'd be just as angry. Well, Andrew and I have had some um, interesting, uh, I can't say conversations, but some interesting exchanges about my lack of anger for my abusers. And Andrew wrote me a letter saying that I needed to get real serious and to deal with my issues of abuse in such a way that I was not preaching forgiveness. And you and I disagree on this whole issue of forgiveness. Because, but, but one of the things that happened when you wrote me this letter, you said that um, you would be satisfied when I could start to talk about vengeance because you've never seen a kid get, be get better without getting angry. That was very helpful to me because what I realized after you wrote me is that I hadn't, I hadn't gotten angry. And I hadn't gotten angry because in some way, even though I've said it for, I don't know, years and told everybody in the world that you're never responsible, I always thought that all the other kids were never responsible. Sure. But somehow maybe sure. I had something to do with it. Mm -hmm that maybe it was because I asked my uncle about boys or I remember being in the car and we started this conversation about kissing. And I thought, well, if I had never mentioned the word kissing, that maybe it wouldn't have happened. So I realized after you wrote me that perhaps maybe I, I hadn't gotten angry and not only had I not gotten angry, but I hadn't even forgiven. So I disagree with you that, I, that I'm, you know, talking forgiveness because I don't think that, that I have forgiven. Maybe you haven't personally forgiven, but yeah. you still talk about it as the quest. You still say you can't heal. You think heal. so? I think so. That's the impression I get listening to you. That, that you talk about it and you say you can't heal yeah. until you can forgive. Yeah. So your quest is to achieve forgiveness. But see, but the thing is, I think that you and I disagree on is what forgiveness is. When I say forgive, I don't mean I want them over to my house. I don't mean I want, you know, to go picnicking with, with the people who abuse me. Okay. I mean, I want to be able to put it in a place where I can get on with my life. So what's wrong with that? Nothing, if that's what you mean by forgiveness. Yeah. I don't think that translates. I think that the 40, 50 million people who listen to you every day don't hear I want to dismiss this from my life. I want to get on with my life. I yeah. think what they hear is forgive. 
Yeah. And many of the so-called therapeutic programs to which I'm violently opposed yeah. make that sort of a condition well, of one's Well, you know, I hear healing. it all the time on this show. I hear people say, I mean, all the time, and it always upsets me when I hear women say it, and sometimes men. Mm -hmm. I've forgiven my abuser, I've forgiven my abuser, and I'll say, well, did you get angry? And then they'll start preaching Bible verses to me, and I'll mm -hmm. say, but how can you forgive unless you've gotten angry? I don't think I've done either one. I, I mean, I think what I've done is, I think I skipped that. I tried to say, all right, this is a thing that happened to me. I'm not responsible for it. Now let me move on. There are people who do that. One of the biggest myths about this business is that every abused child ends up a prostitute or a dope fiend or yeah. a convict. That's just a myth. Yeah. Abuse is this implosion in your life, and you can go in a variety of different directions. Uh -huh. And some of the most caring, healing, protective people I know were horribly abused as children. Yeah. But there's a difference between able to really dismiss it, which mm -hmm. I think you've not okay. done, mm -hmm. and having that weight to carry your whole life. Mm -hmm. And you said in the, in the letter to me that you think that it's literally the weight that I carry. I think it is the weight that you carry. I think that if you look at yourself and people say, oh, you're successful, yeah. then the idea is that it didn't hurt you. I don't buy that. Yeah. And I think it is a weight that you carry, and the only way to put it down is to be angry first. Yes. But, but listen, you, you talk about, in the letter to me, about, about being able to wish them pain and mm -hmm. hatred sure. for the rest of their lives. I don't think I'm capable of doing but that. what makes you special negatively? In other words, if I tell you, as I have told you, yeah. stories of little children who've been tortured, you want to kill the people who did it. Yeah. When I talk about incest victims, you want them in jail for the rest of their natural lives. Yeah. So how come the people who do things to you, they get some special dispensation because you've succeeded? Okay. Point. Point. But what if I don't feel that? I will tell you this, and this is what's interesting to me. I, just last year, I had to go home to visit my father's house, and the abuser was in the house. And my father, I called home and I said, I'm coming. And my father said, some people are here. Well, do you want me to ask them to leave? And I said, no, don't ask them to leave. If, if you're willing to have them in your house, don't ask them to leave because I'm coming. And I was in the house with the abuser last year, being all that I know and having done everything I've done, and I was scrambling eggs for him. I was scrambling eggs because everybody was in the house and my stepmother was ill and my father was there and I didn't want to cause a big problem. Isn't that just a replay of incest? I don't know. Well, you cook for your father, don't tell your mother, you don't want to disrupt the apple cart, you don't want to upset the other siblings, you want to maintain that illusion of family. What's he, different? Well, what's different is, is that I'm now an adult and he can't hurt me. That's what's different. I agree that he can't hurt you in the way that he did. Yeah. But if he alters your behavior. So, but what I'm saying is, so I sat in the room, sat in the room with him. I didn't feel like I wish you pain and suffering for the rest of your life. I felt like I'm very sorry you did this thing to me. So I don't know how to get to I wish you pain and suffering the rest of your life. I don't think I'm capable of that. You, or need I, or should I be? Well, we're going to disagree, right? Sure. I, Sure. I think that you don't, you forgive somebody who made a mistake. Yeah. You don't forgive somebody who attacked you. They're very, very different things. Look, this is what it takes for me if you're ever going to reach the so-called forgiveness plateau. Yeah. I'm sorry. It wasn't your fault. It was all my fault. I will never do it again. I will make it up to you. You haven't heard that. I'm not going to hear that. You, then why should they hear I forgive you? But wait a minute, 
What about what I need to get on with my own life? I mean, I, I mean, I see this all the time on the show. People get stuck in that whole victimization theory. They get stuck there and feel like because this thing happened to me, then for the rest of my life, I'm, you know, labeled as a victim of abuse, and therefore yeah, sure. these things happen to me. I, I don't, don't think people should. I don't think people should be getting stuck. Yeah. I don't think you should professionalize, you know, being a victim. I don't think that should become your credential or your calling card or your yeah. reason to exist. Yeah. I don't think you should only deal with other people who've been child abuse victims like it's some sort of strange club. Yeah. But I do think that as long as you are stuck, yeah. and I say you're stuck, the reason you're stuck is you would not tolerate what happened to you no, I would to not. happen to anybody else. No, I would not. So you were saying that you're less than them, they have diminished you in some way that they have no right to do, and for that they deserve your so anger. So what should I be doing? I think you can't really, I think you could dismiss them yeah. after first being honest and say, I hate you for what you did. Mm -hmm. I do I hate them or do I hate what they did? I, by me, yeah. this long, yeah. this behavior, you hate them. You can, it's very easy to separate and say, oh, I, you hate the sin, but you love the sinner. Yeah. That's for somebody who uh, gets drunk or has an affair or punches a guy in the mouth in a bar. It's not for somebody who violates and betrays the sacred trust of a child to an adult. It's not someone who abuses power that way for their own sexual gratification. They're not in that category for me. Okay. What upsets me about you is that there's 30 or 40 or 50 million people who yeah. watch your show, you're almost an icon for pulling yourself out of whatever and becoming a success. Everybody wants to be like Oprah, and I don't care if they want to look like you or dress like you or drive the same car you drive, but if what they're trying for is forgiveness, it gets in the way of the war that we're engaged in. But I'm not telling anybody. I mean, I understand for other anybody. people, I understand that you need to get angry before you can forget. I mean, and I realize that, you know, having these conversations with you, not on air all the time, but having the conversations with you that, I mean, I have some issues that I still probably need to deal with, mm -hmm. and I thought I was already there. I thought I was already there. I, it only takes a few minutes for you to be angry, and then you're done with it. Yeah, well, see, that's what I didn't get from your letter. You said, I need to learn to hate, and I said, I can't. That's not possible for me. You don't need to keep me. it with you. Yeah. You don't need to carry that baggage anymore than you're carrying the other baggage, but okay, you need to well, feel it. Okay, well, you should have said that in the letter. Well, you, you should have answered the letter really quick. And I would, you you know. should have said, because when you say, I need to learn to hate, I think, well, I can't live my life like that. Well, that's a fair response, but this is the first time I'm hearing it, right? Yeah. Right, that's true. So now you have to answer immediately. Okay, so. so what I should do is just just for an instant. I don't say just for an instant, as long as it lasts. Yeah. I mean, just let your hands go. Be, allow yourself to feel that. I'm not talking about allow yourself to feel, you know, mystical feelings. Uh-huh. Or, you know, hold a crystal or anything. Just put another person in the position you were in and feel what you'd feel for them, then you're done. Yes. Then you're done, but you not let yourself do that. Okay, well, I'll be doing that right after this show. Okay. <laughs> okay. And then I suspect that once you do it, yeah. it changes the weights that you're carrying. Yeah. Because you know it's a lie not to be angry and not to hate what was done to you. You know that's a lie. Well, I do hate what was done to me. But not the people who did it. Well, I, I, well, that, well, now I understand what you're saying. I didn't feel that I could, believing as I believe for my life, go around hating somebody the rest of no, my life. No, I don't think you have to keep it. Okay. But you have to be there and feel it. Yeah. Otherwise, the truth is you can't forgive either. Can't forgive. You know, either. you say you can't heal until you can forgive. I say you can't forgive until you're done with the anger and hate, but you have to feel it to be done with it. Okay. Now, do you think that there's some things worth never forgiving, that there's no reason oh. to ever? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I think sodomizing babies is one of them. Yeah, but I don't see a real distance between sodomizing your own baby and molesting your own child. I don't see a big difference. Yes, I see. The penal law is a little crazy about that. You know uh -huh. what I'm saying? If... Um, if somebody comes up to you and says, give me your money, uh -huh. 
and you say no, yeah. pistol whip you and take the money, mm -hmm. the law says it's armed robbery. Mm -hmm. Somebody comes up to you, sticks a gun in your face, says, give me your money. You say, sure, take the money. Here's my credit cards, here's my car. And they pistol whip you. The law says that's armed robbery. They're very different people, right? Yeah. Okay. So I look at the individuals, not the offense. But based on what I've done in 25 years, I will tell you that there's not only people we shouldn't forgive, but we forgive them at our peril. You forgive them, somebody else pays for it. Well, you know what? It's interesting. It's after I started to deal with it and after you wrote me the letter and I realized, oh, God, you're right. I, I guess I never did get angry. I, I wish I'd had the opportunity to be in that house again because I would have said, you son of a bitch. You get out of my face. Mm -hmm. I'm getting out of this house. But I didn't, at the time, want to call... I don't think you can say that word on TV, but I didn't want to... Um, I didn't want to cause a big thing in the house because there was already sickness in the house. And but all see, that that's the stuff. camouflage of the perpetrator in that dynamic. He says to the little girl, if you tell mommy, it'll really hurt her. Yeah. If she's real sick, she might die if you tell her. Mm -hmm. I've never met a child molester yet who didn't identify a source of love in the child and threaten it against disclosure. Yes. They all really act the same. They may be of different heights and weights, different colors, different ages. They all act the same. You say they're three, basically, the three kinds, though. Yeah, I do. Yeah, and they are. There's people who are inadequate. Yeah. Simply don't know how to parent. Yeah. A 12-year-old girl with a baby of her own. Mm -hmm. She can't distinguish that baby from a doll that's supposed to make her happy mm -hmm. rather than something she's supposed to satisfy. Mm -hmm. Folks like that benefit immeasurably from what you like to call rehabilitation. We get beautiful bang for the buck with them. We get enormously positive results. There's people who neglect their children and abuse their children because they don't have the means or the resources, mm -hmm. or they don't have the knowledge, or they don't have the support. We can do wonderful things with them. Mm -hmm. Second category is people who are crazy. I mean card-carrying crazy, not crap like pedophilia, real paranoid schizophrenic crazy, mm -hmm. howling at the moon crazy. Mm -hmm. We can help those people to, the extent, those people to the extent that psychiatry's got an answer for their particular disorder. Uh -huh. So we're not very good with paranoid schizophrenics mm -hmm. when it comes to parenting. We're quite good with obsessive compulsives. Category three is where me and the whole rest of this business part company. People who are evil. People who hurt children for their own pleasure and or their own profit. Those people don't belong on the same planet with the rest of us, and they don't belong in the same room when you're talking about rehabilitation. Do all those people who are doing that, and you've talked to hundreds, maybe thousands of them, do they realize they're hurting the children? That's part of the fun. Yeah. Don't tell me about denial. Okay. Because that's part of the cycle battle. Guy says, I didn't molest my daughter. He's not in denial, he's lying. Uh-huh. All right? Yes, yes. So what happens with people like this, pain is part of their enjoyment. To the sexual sadist, without pain, without evidence of pain, there's no fun. Well, you know, when I was molested by my uncle, I remember one of the things he said when it was over, he said, I can't believe I did this to my own niece. I can't believe I did this. I carried that with me for many years because... And this had been my favorite uncle mm -hmm. and everybody in the family. He's the favorite of, you know, all the brothers. Mm -hmm. So something inside me said, well, if he was... Uh, for years, I thought, I must have been the only one. Sure. I must have been the only sure. one because everybody thinks he's the greatest guy. Well, they work very carefully. Predators use camouflage as one of their techniques. Most of the danger to children in this country comes from people known to the child. Right. The danger from a stranger is exaggerated by the media. I'm not saying it doesn't exist mm -hmm. and it doesn't happen. But by and large... The least safe place for a child is his own home. So what should we be doing if they can't be saved, if the predator can't be saved? Well, what would you do with toxic waste? What would you do with anything that was dangerous to human beings and couldn't be recycled? That's what we should do? I think that the person who shows that they're calcified, insistent, chronic, repetitive, escalative in their offenses, uh -huh. the kind of people who were constantly letting out of jail to torture more children, right. identifies him or herself 
or herself by conduct. Once that conduct is clear to us, we have a moral obligation to our species to incarcerate them for life. So you believe that once somebody has, has been a predator with one child, two ch children, that, that that's it, they can't be rehabilitated? I'm prepared to accept the idea that to feel the feelings of wanting to molest a child yes. is sick. But to act on the feelings is evil. Really? Oh, yeah. Evil meaning what? Well, how do you define evil? The choice of conduct yeah. is how I define evil. I would not take a nine-year-old kid who sexually attacks a five-year-old in direct imitation yeah. of what's happened to him, who's trying to escape his own sense of powerlessness uh -huh. and become empowered. I would not say that's an evil kid. Okay, but when that kid becomes 19 and is still doing There's it. There's a line that you cross, and I can't say it's chronological. Yeah. It happens at different places for different people. Yeah. But when you know what you're doing and you choose to do it, not only without regard to human pain, but because you're excited and entranced by human pain, I'm willing to say that's evil. Okay, so you said lots of people say that I abused because I was an abuser. Mm -hmm. I've, I was abused, I've never abused a child. So what is the difference? And lots of people don't. That's, that's most, the, most, most don't. people don't. Most, don't. most people don't. That's right. Yes. There's, so what's the difference? If I knew, that's the Rosetta Stone to humankind. Mm -hmm. If we knew why you can take two children and torture one worse than you get in a POW camp and have that one become a serial killer as a direct result and treat another child worse and have that child grow up to become a healer, we know all the answers. We don't. This is how much I know so far. We know the formula to make a monster. And that is? You torture a child in his or her own home so that, or by his own caretakers, so that that child believes that everything's backwards. The people who are constituted by all the laws, pick the laws of God, the laws of nature, the laws of man, they're all violated when you torture your own child. Hmm. That child believes that everything here is all I can trust, that I'll feel nobody's pain but my own because nobody ever felt it for me. Mm -hmm. That's how you get a sociopath. Got but it. not all sociopaths turn predatory. Sociopath. Now, how can I say this? To be a sociopath means you have no empathy. You feel only your own feelings. Right. You could be a very successful salesman doing that. There's lots of things you could do doing that. Mm -hmm. You don't have to become a serial killer, a multiple rapist, a person who tortures children. However, should you find yourself bent in that direction, there's nothing to impede you. There's no check. There's no ethical or moral controls or boundaries on you. Mm -hmm. and those people that we're talking about that I've met, there is no sense of boundary. There's a sense of personal safety. But that's it. And Wesley Allen Dodd, for example. Wesley Allen Dodd, card-carrying member of the sociopath fraternity. Yes. Yeah. But he knew he was evil. Oh, I'm saying that they all know. He didn't know he was evil. He knew that he got caught. He knew he needed a fancy line of rhetoric to extend his life, which he went to. But he never saw himself as he portrayed himself. He didn't. Listen, he wanted to die, poor Wesley, right? Yeah. In a state where there's handguns on every block, he never blew his brains out. Yeah. Right? Right. Never hung himself. Right. Never drove his car into a tree. Right. How bad could he have wanted to die, this poor, tormented creature? Good point. Point. So you're saying that when, but, but when he said to the world, look, if I get out again, I'm going to go for more children. Yes. I think that that was a great lesson to us. I think it was very helpful to see beneath the mask and to see the monster that's really there. But he said it for his own reasons, like they all do. Mm-hmm. So what should, have, what should have happened to him? I can't sit here and say I'm in favor of the death penalty as we practice it. Yes. We do it in a very ritualistic way that entertains freaks. Uh -huh. It takes forever to do it. An average of 13 years to kill a human being. Yeah. 
we turn... John Wayne Gacy's still painting pictures And a freak prison. like that, yeah, yes. he's a celebrity, right? Yes, He gets yes. to sell his paintings. Yeah. Right. Okay? Yes. Because that cachet being on death row, it's like an important thing. It's racially, culturally, economically, and class biased. It's almost never utilized. And when you add all of that up to the fact that you can make, no pun intended, a fatal mistake if you're going to kill people, I can't say it works for me. Lifetime incapacitation does. Genuine life without parole, that does work for me. Okay, I said to Andrew, one of the things I like about him is that in all of his years of practice, he has never defended or agreed to take the case of the abusers. And the abusers all call you. I did do one. Yeah. Years really? and years ago, when my belief system was different, mm -hmm. I defended a guy who uh, was involved in incest with his daughter and said all the right things, talked all the right talk. He's so sorry, he, he feels like killing himself, he'll do anything to make it up to the girl, he's gonna formally apologize, everything perfect. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we did defend him. And in the middle of the case, uh, we didn't go to trial. He was gonna plead guilty, that was part of the deal. He was mm -hmm. gonna admit everything he did. In the middle of the case, it developed that he had what he called a relationship with some other young girl. Uh -huh. And that was the last time I even listened to this psycho babble about healing and forgiveness. Because this guy was, believe me, this guy could have sold used cars in the desert. He was very good, very smooth, very slick. Well, well, what's wrong with the system then that allows, you know, lawyers, that's what you go to law school for, that you can defend the guy that you know sodomized his child? Well, well, the system is that you're supposed to provide a trial for somebody. You're not supposed to be the judge. That's up to a jury. Yes. And if you couldn't defend somebody you knew to be guilty, uh, there'd be a lot of people on unemployment. Right. I mean, you, you, <laughs> lots of time, you're not uh, deluded about a person's guilt or innocence. You go through the dance anyway. I don't want to do that because I'm too egotistical. I really think by now I've gotten pretty good at it. And I think if I defended such people, they would get off. I don't think it's such a wonderful system. I think I would be successful. At defending them. Yeah, I think I would, sure. I mean, that's the model, isn't it? That you work in the DA's office for 15 years, then you end up on the defense bar. And I'm not knocking it. I'm not saying that it's wrong. I'm just saying for me personal, for my own internal reasons, I wouldn't be able to do it. I'm talking to Andrew Vox. We're talking about what can families do to break the cycle within their own families. And I realize that even within my own family, um, I said this to my father recently, who called me up on the phone one afternoon, and it was just a casual conversation. And um, I mentioned the fact that he, you know, had, you know, his brother in the house who was, was uh, one of my abusers. And he said to me, well, you know, I never really understood what that, what really happened. I never really understood what the story was about all of that. And I said, you know what, Dad? I understand why you don't understand. Because in order for you to accept what I said as true, it means you would have to make a choice. Mm -hmm. You would have to then do something about it, and you really don't want to do anything about it. And that, I can comprehend it. I don't, I mean, I wish that it were different. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's really it. And in every family, when you choose to believe the child or choose to believe the adult child, it means you then have to make some choices on your own, doesn't hard, it? Hard choices, hard too. Hard choices. It means you can't be picnicking with the rest of the, with the guy who, who abused your child. At least. At least. I mean, the minimum for me is, would be you're no longer my brother. Yeah. That, that would be a minimum And that would, that's a hard choice for my father to have to make. I understand, but behavior makes those choices. Look, yeah. family is, should be an operational term, not a biological term. Yeah, I agree it, with it you. It never makes sense to me that people talk about preserving the family unit as a way of letting abusers run amok. Mm -hmm. I have family, my own family, that's not biologically related to me, but they are my family in every truest sense of the word. Mm -hmm. And I have people who are biologically related to me with whom I have no contact whatsoever, and that's 
fine with me too. Yes. Family of choice is a lot more important than family of origin. And what abuse does is it forces that choice, you see? Yeah. And so you're saying you can break the cycle if you're willing to make certain hard choices. Someone has to side with the child. It's for damn sure the child won't break the cycle as a child, unassisted. You can't. Once the choices are made, I think you can break the cycle. But breaking the cycle sometimes requires breaking some necks, breaking some chains, breaking things out of your life. Breaking I, the, quote, family connection. Yeah. yeah. I don't buy the idea that you have to treat the entire family unit as though there's some disease got loose, mm -hmm. as opposed to the acts of a perpetrator. And so I want to know what, were you abused as a child? No, the opposite. I mean, unless you consider, well, my mother's cooking. But I mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wherever she is, she Mom, won't appreciate Mom, that. Mom, you know. <laughs> my mother was one of the toughest people I ever met. Yeah. Um, she had to raise me by herself to start off because uh -huh. my dad was busy killing Nazis. Uh -huh. And my mother was a teenager. And she was determined because of all the bogus advice she got from her friends mm -hmm. that she didn't want to raise a sissy, you know. Mm -hmm. So my mother would do things like, well, I don't know if you can see this on camera, you probably don't want to, but the tip of the finger got chopped. Mm -hmm. I caught it in the steel door and the tip came off. My mother sees that. Picks up the tip of the finger, goes in the house, gets some ice, puts it there, smashes it up, puts it back on, wraps it real tight, says, you know, people are watching, I hope you're not going to cry. <laughs> Takes me to the hospital. Doctor says, I can fix that, but it's going to leave a hell of a scar. My mother grabs my face and says, you think he's going to be a model? <laughs> so, he's a very tough lady. Um, so she, what happened with your eye? Uh, a couple of things, really. There was a... Uh, Something that I'm not really sure about, some medical thing early on. Then I got hit with an object when I was outside the house. And yeah. it kind of tore the muscles I read in that there. it was a street fight, was it? What kind of a fight is there when you're seven years old and the person who did it is like 17? That's not a fight. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And so your decision, to, your decision to fight abuse in the way that you do has nothing to do with the fact that it was in your immediate family or anything like that. No, I mean, people that were raised very close to me, I certainly knew they were abused, but I, I need to explain to you that I thought kids getting beat up was not so unusual. I thought I was the unusual kid because nothing like that could ever happen to me. My dad is a, a huge guy. He played football against Vince Lombardi back in the days when those guys were playing in college. And it was the war that cost him a chance at a professional football career. He's 70 years old, he'll still go clean out a bar. And he never, ever would think about hitting a child. And I saw him hit plenty of people. It wasn't like my father was a Quaker. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't hit a child. Mm -hmm. So I always was raised with that that children were there to be protected, but I didn't have that from my parents. It was later on when I saw the incredibly grotesque and horrible and for-profit things people did to children that I reached my own motivation. Andrew says that there's a group out there that he calls the children of the secret. Yeah. And those are? Those are the children who've been used and abused by their own, and confused about their place in the whole world, and who have been quiet, who've been carrying the pain in their own hearts which if you could put a stethoscope next to you, you'd hear tick, 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 tick. These are people who, when something dramatic and drastic happens in their life, they say, geez, I never knew Mary was like that. I never, Bill, had that kind of feelings. The people are carrying the hardest weight there is to carry, that is betrayal by the people who are supposed to love and protect you, the hardest weight of all, and who haven't had the benefit of letting it out. I think if you could harness the formerly abused child, now adult vote in this country, it would be a presidential voting block. It would be that large a group of people. I think you're right. Why is it you say that if a man rapes his own daughter, he's sick, but if he rapes a neighbor's daughter, he's evil? You, you said I, that. I say it with sarcasm. I say it out of contempt. I say it because that's the damn law. If a guy has 
sex with a little five-year-old girl down the street, everybody agrees he's a pervert. Mm -hmm. But let him do it to his own five-year-old daughter, everybody wants to call him a therapist. Mm -hmm. We don't call him a rapist anymore, we call him victim of family dysfunction. Mm -hmm. That's my problem with it. I mm -hmm. say it with contempt. I think, what's a worse crime? What's a worse crime? And yet, incest is the crime for which you're least likely, least likely to go to jail in this country. So we need to change the laws, obviously. Or what do we need to do? You know, I know you and I get into it because you say you can't stand this conscious raising thing that I do. But that's what I, I do. You, I but, try but to raise. Now, now the conscience is raised. I now, try to raise the conscious, yes. But once people's conscience raises, it's their turn, right? Yeah. Okay, so you have this bill, right, that they actually call the Oprah bill. Yeah. It's in Congress right now. What could be a simpler bill? It's a very simple bill. All this bill says is that if you're convicted of a crime against a child, you go on a national registry. So that if you hire a babysitter or somebody in a daycare center or a nursery or a karate instructor or whatever, you can be assured that the person to whom you've entrusted your child has not previously been convicted of hurting a child. Is that an outrageous law? Seems like a simple thing. So I can't is, even is believe that. Is it passed yet? It's not passed yet. Yeah. I've you. been oh. to Washington many times. Mm -hmm. I can't believe that the law isn't passed yet because it seems like such a simple, simple thing to do for children. It is a simple thing to do, and yet that's a constituency that doesn't vote. Right. Right? Right. Child molesters have lobbies. Right. They have distinctive lobbies. They have fundraisers. They back political candidates. They impact on legislation as an organized group. Children don't. Everybody claims to speak for children, which is why you notice I don't. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they're the voice of children. Mm -hmm. But it's all over the place. It isn't united. It isn't focused. It isn't tight. So what do we, what should we be doing if we want to get, I say, I've, I've learned this, trying to get this legislation through, is that people, there's a lot of lip service to how, what we care about children and how we care and values and all of this. It's yeah. just a lot of lip service and I don't know how to turn it around. The only way to turn it around is with force. If the people, if, if just the number, just the number, if the number of people who watch your show every day, yeah. if that many people simply wrote a letter to Congress saying, unless you pass this bill, I'm going to remember your name in two years or four years, whatever it takes. Okay? That's it. How do we do it? over that See, they don't have the courage of their convictions. Nobody's got courage saying, I don't want this bill passed. Right. So another chance to get it right. You wrote that because? Because I spent the rest of my writing career and, and virtually all the rest of my career on the dark side. Mm -hmm. And that's what children are to me. Another chance for our whole species to finally get it right. Yes, right. We haven't talked about all your novels and things. You do that to support yourself, right? Uh, well, if you're making a snide comment about how much money my practice brings in, you're right. Because, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, Andrew, you can't make a lot of money defending children who don't have money. No, but I'm not egotistical enough to think I can make a living writing books either. I yeah. mean, it, it sort of came about by accident, and it's yes. worked out much better than I dreamed of. Yes. But that wasn't... I didn't cold-bloodedly say, well, I'm going to write books, and that's going to fund a law practice. Right. You have to be a massively egotistical human being to think that. To think that. Yeah. But you did this because... This was my attempt to talk directly to people on two levels. So it's a children's book for adults. You can read it, or your child can read it, or you can read it to your child. And it's what I hope is a message of hope. Instead of it being a dark side sort of look, it's the wonderful potential that all children are. Another chance for all of us to make advances that we haven't made. When I was saying before, how do we get the connection to people? And I, you know, as many shows as I've done about it, I don't think I've gotten across to the world that if you abuse a child today, this is what you taught me, you abuse a child today, that child will turn on himself herself or turn on the world they, they act, in some way. They turn it in, 
Yeah. And, and so, for me, for years, I turned it in. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yes. Or they turn it out. Yes. Or they turn it completely insane. But there is an impact. And for all those people who say there's not an impact, see, you're the one that they cite all the time. Well, how bad could it be? Look at Oprah. She's rich, she's successful, she's famous, she's popular. How bad could it really be? I mean, how but I turned it in for years, turned it in, turned on myself. It costs you something. Yes. It costs you a percentage of capacity. It takes something from you. It's a theft. Yes. Some people overcome that and achieve wonderful things. It doesn't mean that they should have carried that weight or had that handicap. Right, because what could I have done without it? That's exactly the way you should be thinking. What yes. could you have done without it? Yes. Not like, oh, thank God, this was all part of some design or plan. Yes. It wasn't. The only person who had a plan was the person who did it. This wasn't part of any lordly plan to make you suffer or anybody else suffer. Humans oh, do that. Okay, so we're, how do we, within the family, we talked about if you're in the family, you've got some tough choices to make. Yeah. But what, what about all the people who live absolute in oblivion? It's going on in their houses and they don't even seem to notice the signs. I really would have to question that. Yeah, I, I, I knew you would. I, I remember speaking to so many kids, yeah. and no matter the kid's race or creed or color or age or social background, mm -hmm. they all said the same kind of thing. They had to know. It wasn't that much of a secret behind those closed doors. I can understand my neighbors not know. Mm -hmm. I can understand my school teachers not know. My doctor not know. They had to know. I hear that over and over again. I'm not saying there are no exceptions, but by and large, I believe that they know. And just aren't willing to make the choice. Not willing to pay what it costs yeah. to do the right thing, because people are always willing to do the right thing risk-free. Yes. When it has a price tag attached to it. Yeah. But, you know, this is a country where, where mothers lift up cars to free kids who are caught underneath Yes, and it's it. also a country where mothers stay with the abusers because they don't want to disrupt the family. Indeed. That's worshiping the wrong God. We, we still have to define family operationally, not biologically. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, dog has... Puppies, you don't say it's a mother, it's what it does that makes it a mother. Or a father, or a brother or sister. It's behavior that's the truth. So Andrew Vox writes, in another chance to get it right, when he speaks of children, children of the world, he says, future flowers, now seeds, some hand-raised, nourished in love-richened ground, others tossed carelessly on the coldest concrete, struggling beneath Darwin's dispassionate sunlight, each unique snowflake individualized and all the same. Our race, the human race, one color, many shades, treasures to some, toys to others. They will reach the stars and stalk the shadows. What children are more than anything else is this, another chance for our flawed species, another chance to get it right. I want to thank you as a friend because you've been very helpful to me in my own process of, of healing. And I, I have to say that I've come to terms, I think, with dealing with the anger. For a long time, it was hard for me to even be angry because I would think getting angry was going to make people not, not like me, not love me, and all of that. So you've been really instrumental in my process of healing, and I thank you for that. Well, as a friend, then, would you let me say, I'm sorry, Mom, about making the crack about your cooking? <laughs> <laughs> That's right, because we all got to go home sometime. Thank you, Andrew Vox. Thank you, everybody. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Oprah Show, the podcast. And I thank you for listening.